All our lives, we're programmed from buying into other people's beliefs and limiting views of the world, and then we make them our own truths. Extraordinary Life Podcast is here to offer new perspectives that serve you and obliterate the ones that don't. Are you going to let other people's limits hold you back from your extraordinary life? Hey, Jennifer Merrifield here. Welcome back. This is episode four of Extraordinary Life Podcast. Today, I want to talk about how incredibly powerful our words are. And in particular, there are two very special words that are all of five letters combined that can shake up your mindset and drastically change your perspective of the world. And not in months or years, I'm talking like moments. This can happen for you. So I'm going to keep you in suspense a little longer. I want to ask you some questions. So would you agree that communication is not just words. It includes body language, tone, and even intention can really carry and change the way a message is delivered or received. Would you agree? And would you agree that every word we speak has a certain meaning to it? And those meanings carry a certain charge, let's say, depending on how you say it. And when I say charge, I mean like it elicits certain emotions on certain levels. For instance, if I say the word train, it's just a neutral sort of plain word. For most people, I think they would say that there's not really a lot of emotional charge to it. But if I put it into a sentence and change tone, and I say something like, that person is a train wreck. Now there's new meaning in new context to it, right? There's a, a different emotional charge that's gotten stronger that's associated to that word. The word stayed the same, but the communication around it is what's changed, right? So if we take something as simple as a yes or no, if we say yes softly, yes, or saying it sarcastically, yes, or saying it indifferently, yes, yes, whatever, then it's changed the meaning of the word that's been used the same It's the same word repeatedly, but it's just, it comes across differently in those different ways, right? So even when the same answer is given by the same person to do two different people, the intent and personal emotion behind it can send a totally different vibe. So it's like this one time I was on an airplane and the guy directly in front of me pushed the little button to call the flight attendant over. And when she came over, she's all bubbly and smiley and really nice. And he asked her for a pillow. And she was like, sure, okay. And before she could walk away, because I'm thinking, that's a great idea. I just grabbed, I tapped her and I'm like, oh, may I please have a pillow too? And she was just, she was kind of cold. Like all of a sudden it was like her whole demeanor changed. And she was like, "Mm, sure. And you know, when you have that little obligatory grin, you kind of purse your lips and just, sure. You know, like, that's what it was. So again, it was the same word, sure, but to one person who I think she was kind of flirting with um, was said in one way and to another person was said in another way, the same word, totally different meaning. So I think we're on the same page so far, right? So let's shift into how we talk about ourselves and our lives. So if I asked you the question, what do you need to do today? What comes up for you? Just think of all the things that comes up around that. And if I rephrase that and then I said, what do you have to do today? How does your answer change in any way? 
And if I asked the third question, which was, what should you do today? Now what's different? What's been added? What's been taken away? What's got a different level of should or need or have to? Okay, so just hold on to those answers for a bit. I'm going to bring this up again a little bit later. So a long time ago, when I lived in the beaches in Toronto, or if you're a resident, you call it the beach, because that's the cool way to say it. There was this cafe that I loved to go to. And one of the reasons I loved it so much was because of this woman who worked there. And she was just so friendly. And one of those people who just seems like they love everything about life. They're just so content. You know, she would spill something, not be phased. Someone would bitch about their order. She wouldn't get upset. She would just make it happen, smiling all the way. And not smiling like as in, oh shit, she's going to blow. Like this is like fake smiling. But as in authentic, she really, people came in. And I remember like the second or third time I went in after she asked me what my name was. And I was in line behind like six people and all of a sudden I'm looking forward and she like leans to the left to look past all these people and she's like Jennifer hi and she's waving from the front of the cash and it was just everyone turns around and I'm feeling like really important and special and she just was like that she made people feel good about who they were just by being around her she was just was lovely anyway so this one day I was super fortunate because I went in there and it was completely dead there was no one there so I got to sit down and have tea with her for the better part of an hour and she told me her remarkable life story and through her story is where I learned the two magical little words that I'm uh, that I'm really excited to share with you today see if you can guess what they are so it turns out she lived around the corner from this cafe in a little basement apartment. She was, I think, 58 or 59 years old. She was doing this job, um, getting paid minimum wage. Um, but not less than a year before, she was living her dream life. She was married to her soulmate who she met in high school. They were going on vacations. Um, they were in love. They never fought with each other. They had a beautiful home with this gorgeous property. She described the laneway, the tree-laned, tree-lined laneway that went up to their home. And they lived out in the country amongst nature. And it just was, it just sounded so beautiful. The sad part is her husband got really sick and um, very quickly passed away. And even sadder than that was there were complications with his estate and business debts and things that she didn't know anything about. And she ended up losing everything. So like from one day to the next was like her life did this complete 180. And she had to now figure out everything. So that's how she got to where she was now, where she was living in this basement apartment and working this minimum wage job. And I was just so curious after all this, I said, you know, it would make perfect sense for you to be really bitter and, you know, depressed right now. What is it that makes you so positive and so happy? And she said, do you want to know what I used to complain about when I had this amazing life? She said, I used to complain about how long it took to unload the groceries because I had to walk from um, my car in the garage, which was, you know, several meters away from the house. And I could only carry two bags at a time from the trunk. So I would have to take several trips and I needed to take my shoes on and off. And she said, and I would complain about this. And she said she would complain about how she, she needed to drive 20 minutes just to get to town because they lived out in the country to, in order to do any shopping or whatever. Anyway, there were many examples of this, but she said today she would give everything she had 
for one day to go back and live in that life again to appreciate that that 20 minute drive um, in the car to shop because that would mean she had a car it would mean she had trunk space to do as many groceries as she would want to and it would mean that she had um, you know the walking back and forth from the car to the fridge would mean that she had a big property and she had a garage and she had you get the point of this right so she said that now that she has the contrast of all that's missing she realizes that she was taking a lot of things for granted and that she wouldn't have seen it this way this day without having had that and then lost it so she decided that she must be grateful um, in every moment because in order to go to work every day um, she would say, I get to go to work every day because that means I have a job and not everyone has a job. And I get to get paid minimum wage because that's better than getting paid nothing um, because that helps pay my bills. And I get to decide how much is going to fit in two bags of groceries because that's all I can carry right now because I don't have a trunk and I don't have a car. And I get to plan a trip on my day off to get a long bus ride to go find nature because now I live in the city and it's not in my backyard. And I get to meet wonderful people and be of service to them and have and not be alone in my life. And um, it was just um, this perspective was so extraordinary and such an inspiring story, isn't it? Did you get what the guess what the two words are? Get to right. I'm sure you got that. And did you see which words which <laughs> which words she was replacing the get to with? It was the have tos and the need tos. Now, this part is really key in getting good at making the shift to using get to in your life so that it really starts to benefit you. But know this, have to, need to, and should are phrases that always have some level of negativity to them. Whether it's obvious or more of a subconscious undertone, it's always there. So think about it. They imply things like requirement and duty, something expected, obligation, or something necessary. And doesn't always, it, they don't always feel like a choice or like flow and ease. Do those, like, do those words requirement, obligation, duty, does that sound fun to you? doesn't really sound very fun to me. If you say, I have to mow the lawn, obligation, duty, requirement, right? Not usually the first choice of things that we would want to do and not so much fun or enthusiasm in that because that sentence is focused on the mowing of the lawn, which is not the fun part of it all, of the beautiful lawn when it's done. If you say, however, I get to mow the lawn, something shifts. Do you feel it? Do you feel just the change in the energy of that sentence? You may not still, you still, you know, don't want to mow the lawn, but what does get imply? It implies appreciation that there is a reward or benefit of some type, not just giving your time and effort, but receiving something as well. So just like the woman who got to carry her groceries a all across the way to her home, it was because she had a home, a large property, a car, and money for groceries that she had the honor and privilege to do the task of putting the stuff in the fridge. Make sense? So need to or have to mow the lawn focuses on the discomfort of doing it right now versus I get to mow the lawn is the appreciation that we have this lawn that we get to mow and get the benefits of having it in our life. So just like something like 
picking up the kids. Of course you want your kids and of course you want to pick them up, but the effort of going to get them, being in the car, putting on the shoes, stopping what you're doing, wouldn't it just be easy to just snap your fingers and they were home? But on the way of doing it, um, you know, those things to get there are the things we tend to not take time to be appreciative of rather than coming from more of a judgy, critical perspective. I hate this drive. There's so much traffic and noticing the negatives, right? Um, so what were the things that you came up with earlier when I asked, what do you have to and need to do today? And what if you change those things to what you get to do today and think of what's the benefit and what are the rewards that you have in your life right now that are the reason you're having to do those more discomfort things. And when you think about not having the great benefits in your life that come from the temporary discomforts of doing the have to's and need to's, doesn't it change the meaning and the emotional charge for you a bit? And then there's always that whole personal self-judgment thing we do, right? That will also start to dissolve and, and, and diminish when we swap in get to in place of need to and have to. So think of things like, I have to start eating better because I need to lose weight. I need to make more money. I need to get a better job and so on and so on. Phrases like that imply I'm not good enough the way I am now and I won't be good enough until I get to a different place, be it a different weight, a bigger bank account, a different job and so on. But that kind of thinking isn't forward focused. It's very limiting and non-motivating. It keeps us stuck in the right now with all our attention on the discomforts, the things we don't want. But when we switch to, I get to lose weight and I get to start eating better, I get to look for a better job and a job that I prefer, it's, it's so much more empowering all of a sudden because it implies that we have full control of our choices and our abilities. We get to do what we want. We get to have the benefits of that. It helps us feel self-acceptance along the journey of life rather than just when we get to where we think we should be getting to and we should get to this place, you know, sometime in order to find happiness, blah, blah, blah. So speaking of should, have you noticed that I haven't mentioned the should yet? I asked you about need to, have to, and should in the very beginning. The reason I haven't brought it up yet is because it's a whole other beast. And some of you have heard me discuss it many times before. And if so, you know how toxic I think should is. Should is toxic because it blocks self-clarity and it stops us from awareness and personal growth. I like to say that limiting beliefs and shoulds are exactly what their acronym is, BS. So the difference in should versus have to or need to is that there's a little bit more um, of a direct connection to needing external validation. So doing things because we believe someone else would either want us to, expect us to, judge us unfavorably if we didn't, and so on. So back when I first started my own business, I went to a lot of networking events and uh, networking events. I definitely um, got business from some of them, but it wasn't my favorite thing to do. I didn't really enjoy them. I, it felt like a chore. Um, and I found myself saying, I should really go to that event tomorrow. So what does sh the should in that sentence imply? If I really want to go, would I have put that should in there? No, I would have just said, I'm gonna go to that event tomorrow. But when I say I really should go to that event tomorrow, 
Now all of a sudden there's something else going on there, right? Think of should as coming from fear. Fear of not being good enough, not measuring up in some way, either according to your own judgments that are based on other people's opinions or according to them. And I'm doing those little quotes in the air here. Them just represents anyone who would judge you based on your action or inaction in any certain circumstance. So if I think I should really go to that event, partly it's because I believe you know, it could contribute to my business. But the part that's damaging is when we worry about what they will think. It's the fear of criticism, judgment, rejection, not measuring up, you know, like all those not good enough in some way feelings. And when we feel judged or critically measured in some way by someone else, that's when the self-judgment then shows up and starts measuring. Is there truth in this? How much truth in this? Maybe it's worse than than they're even saying. And we start creating these realities that don't serve us in in our minds. If there were no other people in the world, there would be very little reason to judge ourselves because we would only be measuring against ourselves and not against something else or someone else who has different skills and different abilities than we do. So if I say I should really go to that event and we question why should you go to that event? That's often when should's evil cousin supposed to shows up because when you start, because if you ask me, you know, why should you go to that event? I might then come back with, well, because when you start a business, you're supposed to network. You're supposed to hand out cards. You're supposed to go collect as many as you can. And then you're supposed to do these things and those things. And even if you don't like it, that's just how it works. The absurdity of shoulds and supposed tos and have tos and need tos are seriously showing up all over the place these days. You can see example after example in social media and in the news of where our rights, our bodies and our boundaries have been infringed upon and violated because they said you're supposed to do something in some way, supposed to be polite, supposed to respect these people and do what they say, supposed to shut up and accept certain things based on where you are, who you're with, or or what your so-called status is, like how we're labeled in categories that judge us against other categories that seem to determine our worth in someone's perspective in some way, and therefore what we should or shouldn't accept. It's ridiculous. So many rules inspired by fear that we learned so early on that we're conditioned to automatically react and respond in certain ways that completely disregard choice and completely disregard listening to our own intuition. And like I said, this all just comes from fear. It's just circulating around and around and around. Where did it even start and and who even believes what anymore? So you got to jump out of that, that hamster wheel and zoom out and take a look at what what are these things that we're buying into and and challenge them? You know, if we change should or supposed to to just um, to get to, that's awesome. But if we add choose at the end of that, we then really stand in our power. Because if we say, um, you know, I should really go to that event, I get to go to that event, or I get to choose if I even want to go to that event. We then know what we want versus what we've learned other people will want us to want. Is that a tongue twister? You get me, right? Notice the have tos and need tos and shoulds and supposed tos in your life. Notice where you hear other people saying them. Notice it with your ears, but also notice it with your 
gut, with your intuition and swap them all out for get to or get to choose and really see how much less critical measuring and judging happens and it feels so in flow I want you to feel that and feel empowered by that by you having ease and flow in your life when we're all full of should so to speak ask yourself according to whom compared to what the answer might just be some old belief hamster wheel pattern that when you bring awareness to it you might just just call bs and drop it right then and there sometimes it's that easy But notice too how fortunate and blessed you feel when you switch to get to. Notice how much good you've been taking for granted while measuring what's missing and what's lacking. We all do it. We all do it all the time until we stop and consciously be aware of of the patterns that we're doing. Tip the scales. That's how to build momentum quickly in the direction of joy and fun and creating amazing opportunities for yourself. We don't have to but we get to take stock of what's good or we get to take stock of what's lacking but we always have the choice measuring ourselves against others will always skew the results and what they look like not in our favor if we're always striving for something out of reach we miss what's already here what's right here right now What do you have now that you wanted in the past? And how appreciative have you been for it? Or did you love it when you got it and now you've already moved on to focusing on something new that's currently missing? So what do you get to do today? What do you get to choose to do today or choose not to do today? And what do you get to celebrate that's right here, right now? I believe in you. Thanks so much for listening. And hey, if you're looking for a coach, but I'm talking next level, you want to create some serious, extraordinary in any or all areas of your life, go to my website, jennifermerrifield.com, one N in Jennifer, one R in Merrifield, and request a consultation. Free call, no charge to you, just a really great conversation, and we'll take it from there. Until next time, this is Jennifer Merrifield, personal excellence coach and mentor, wishing you an extraordinary day.